And there he goes. Coast to coast. Can he make it? Yes, he can. You know what it is, Wednesday, October 5th. It is time for some action, and this is Green Dot Daily. I'm your host, the spitting statistician, Dane Martinez, and we're putting the fun in functional sports betting content right here on the Action Network. We're presented by our friends over at BetMGM, and I got to let you know, use the promo code ACTION right now, and you'll get a $1,000 free bet upon sign-up. Maybe you use that action on some of these green dots we're about to get you. We've got a great show for you. We got um, Anthony. Anthony DeMundo on the show talking Champions League and looking at some of the wild card matchups in Major League Baseball. We've got Brandon Anderson on the show as well, giving you some thoughts for week five of the NFL season. And then we talk college football with Brett McMurphy, you know, and we also get a little group of five action from Calabrese. So stay tuned for all of that. But let's get into it right now. Our guy, Anthony DeBundo, doing dual action here, a little Champions League and Major League Baseball. We bring him in right now. What's going on, Anthony? We've got the Champions League. I think it's still match day three for groups F, E, G, and H. We're getting it in. One team that I know you are interested in is Chelsea, who's actually at the bottom of group E. You have some thoughts on their game today. Yeah, Chelsea has taken some money here. They opened around minus 120. They're up to minus 140. Uh, AC Milan in a bit of an injury crisis. Mike Mannion, their goalkeeper, is out. They do have a couple of uh, attacking players and, and their star left back, Teo Hernandez, also out. He contributes a ton to this attack. And I think they're going to have problems defensively, or excuse me, in attack going up against this Chelsea defense, which despite a pretty poor start to the season, the defense for Chelsea has not really been the problem. Blues still third in XG allowed in the Premier League, but the attack is where they've really struggled. <clears throat> they did just hire Grant Potter. I do think their attack will improve in the long run, but it's going to take some time for Potter to implement his system and get that attack going again. They are just 10th in the league in expected goals created thus far through uh, the first nine matches of the Premier League season. So I'm a little bit concerned about this Chelsea attack. Milan is used to playing in Serie A where they're allowed more time on the ball, allowed more space. That will not be the case on the road at Chelsea. There's a lot more pressing intensity from teams in the Premier League and the Champions League. It's why Milan has struggled in the last two years there. And I think Chelsea and Milan will play to a pretty low scoring affair here. I do think Chelsea probably wins it. But I like under two and a half at plus 100 is my best bet. I think this is going to be a, a, a hard to come by for goals. Milan, dating back to last season, pretty overrated in terms of finishing. They ran really hot. Now they're due to regress a bit. All right. And then the top two teams in the table in Group F also face off today. And when the top two teams, maybe you think this one will also be a lower scoring affair. Yeah. Last time I was here, I gave out two unders. I'm going to do it again. Shakhtar Real Madrid under three and a half at minus 120. They've combined for 10 goals in two matches each thus far this season. But if you look at some of the underlying numbers, both have been very fortunate with finishing variants to get there. It's really been the story of Real Madrid for the last year and a half in the Champions League, finishing at a ridiculous rate. I know uh, most of our Wonder Goal podcast has lost money fading Real Madrid. I'm going to take the under here. Shakhtar did lose a ton of their attacking talent because of the war. A lot of the uh, foreign players that are very talented hmm. left the club not wanting to live in Ukraine, of course, and they're not playing their home matches in Ukraine right now. But on the road here, I think they're going to struggle to score, whereas Real Madrid, a little bit overvalued, like the under. All right, fair enough. We're going to switch gears with you, talk a little bit of Major League Baseball. But first, let's see what our guy Sam has to say, because finally, we are all rising for the judge. Hey there, I'm Sam McQuillan, sports betting reporter with the Action Network. 
here to talk about Aaron Judge, who is now the all-time American League single-season home run leader after hitting his 62nd home run of the season last night against the Texas Rangers. If you're a sports better or sports fan, it was starting to feel like Aaron Judge was never going to hit his 62nd home run. And if you're a sports book, that's exactly what you want. Judge took 23 at-bats between his 61st and 62nd record-breaking home run. During that time, Judge to hit a home run was virtually the most popular player prop every night the Yankees played a game at that MGM with it spiking over the last two weeks. But it seems betters finally got tired of losing all their money. Last night, Judge to hit a home run was only the 11th most popular player prop bet. Perfect timing for the sports books. Terrible timing for the sports better. Just goes to show you, Vegas, they know what they're doing. Yes, Vegas certainly does know what they're doing. That's why they keep on building those buildings in the desert. We continue on with Anthony right now, looking at the wild card round where the matchups are set. You see the Mets, the Cards, the Blue Jays, and the Guardians will be hosting three game wild card series. Remember that all three games will be at the higher seed. I actually think, Anthony, that that is kind of a big feather in the cap of these home teams, yet you do like some of the lower seeds in the wild card matchups yeah i'm going to go back to my tried and true method in the in the mlb playoffs and that is fading the central divisions it's been extremely profitable the last three years 2019 one team the cardinals did win a series the al central representative did not in 2020 the central got seven teams into the playoffs they had the expanded playoff format they went zero and seven in the first round of the playoffs only won one game of those series uh, and then in 2021, the Brewers, of course, got into the playoffs. The Cardinals got in the playoffs. Cardinals lost the wild card game. Brewers lost to the Braves. And in the American League, the White Sox lost. That means that they have won one series in the last three years. And I think it's pretty simple. The bottom of the central divisions are where you're going to find the worst teams in baseball year in and year out. And the Cardinals and the Guardians have stacked up a lot of wins against those two, uh, against those divisions. And when they get out of their divisions, they have not fared nearly as well. The Guardians just above 500 and the Cardinals also just above 500 in non-divisional games this season. I like the Rays plus 110. Guards are much worse against left-handed pitching as well. They're about uh, league average offense. They strike out more against lefties. Shane McClanahan's going to go game one for the Rays. Been a dominant lefty this year. Rays will also definitely be using Jeffrey Springs, who just threw uh, five shutout against the Guardians last week. So I think it's a good matchup for Tampa. And then the Phillies, Plus 115 against St. Louis. Phillies have the better starting pitchers for the first and second game. They'll be favored. At least I think they should be favored in the first two games of this series. Adam Wainwright, the ace for the Cardinals, his ERA over seven in the last month of the season. His strikeout to walk rate basically even in the last month. He has really struggled down the stretch here. Don't know if it's fatigue or what, but that's a major concern for this Cardinals team. They do hit lefties really well which could help them in game three against Ranger Suarez, but the Phillies will have the advantage in the first two games of this series. So at plus 115, I like the Phillies taking the two underdogs to advance to the divisional series next week. All right, fair enough. It sounds like you think these central teams would almost have to step up in class here in this round of the playoffs. Anthony DeBundo coming in, giving us some plus money series plays in the wild card. Thanks for helping us out here on Green Dot Daily, Major League Baseball and the champions. We'll see you back soon here on Green Dot Daily. Switching gears now to the NFL, we've got Brandon Anderson on the show. You see some of the notable spreads here for week five of the NFL season. We bring in Brandon now. And Brandon, I got to ask you, one of these plays, we all know the situation with Tua Tagovailoa and kind of he's going to be out for a while. I think they will finally be cautious with him. But you think Teddy Two Gloves is good enough to win in New York this week? 
I like Teddy covers. I'm taking the Dolphins minus three in New York. You want to grab this right now because this line is moving and it's already minus three and a half at some books. That's obviously the most important key number you want to grab. Look, Miami a week ago was the talk of the town. They were undefeated. They were rolling. And then they got to Thursday night to a spot we all agreed was bad. Everyone was on Miami or against Miami last week. And we were right. The, the Dolphins were tired. They were overheated from the long game against Buffalo. They lost. And now we kind of all forgot about Miami being so good. Meanwhile, the Jets got to Sunday. They won a game. The New York Jets won a football game. Hooray. They beat Mitch Trubisky and a rookie quarterback in his first time. And a Steelers team that's an extra point away from 0-4. And the line moved from six points to the Dolphins Sunday morning to three points Sunday night. Just from that. I think that that is a big overreaction. It's a great spot to buy low on the Dolphins right after we sold high last week on them. You mentioned Teddy. I like Teddy here. Teddy looked good Thursday night for his career. Teddy two gloves. Teddy covers is 42 and 21 against the spread. 67% cover rate. And here's the ridiculous number. If that's not good enough for you, Teddy on the road. The road show is 24 and six against the spread. 80% cover rate for his career. Guess who Teddy's throwing to? Same guys Tua was going to throw to. Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell against a bottom five DVOA pass defense. I think this is a great spot to buy back in on Miami. They've won eight out of nine against the Jets. This line, if it was a week ago, I think this would have closed probably at a touchdown or higher for the Dolphins. So I'm happy to grab it at minus three if you can. All right, fair enough. The butler, Teddy, with his white glove service. We'll see what happens at MetLife (laughs) Stadium. For your other pick, you know, some people believe in schedule and travel spots. Others don't. For a long time, after the London game, the team had a bye. Now you kind of have that choice if you want to have the bye or play right afterwards. The Saints were across the pond last week. They had the double doink. And now that they're back, you're still going to fade them after that long trip? I am. I think you want to watch for this. We've got two teams this week, the Saints and the Vikings. And then next week, we've got the Packers and Giants, four teams that play in London and then immediately play the following week. We've only had five teams in NFL history do that. I've got an article up on actionnetwork.com talking about, okay, what's that look like? Do these teams come back tired and jet lagged? And do they, do they, you know, bleed a little bit defensively? And the answer is, yeah, they mostly do. We only have five games. So you can only tell so much. But so far in those games after the London game, the team that played in London and is now playing again is three and two to the under on their team total. But the opponent they're playing is four and one to the over on their team total. So the teams after London are not scoring as much as we thought they should. And they're especially giving up a lot of points. All five opponents have been tied or leading in the fourth quarter with a chance to win the game against that post-London team. So this Saints spot, I don't understand this number at all. We've seen as high as minus six for New Orleans. It's at five and a half or five right now where you grab it. It's going to start to fade a little bit, I think. So you want to grab Seattle right now. The Seahawks are kind of good, right? Seattle just put up 48 last week. Seattle's offense Top five in DVOA, top five in EPA per play, top five in success rate. Geno Smith, our man, is getting the job done. Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton, whoever it is at quarterback for the Saints, not getting the job done. (laughs) Yeah, Jason Hill at quarterback slash tight end slash special teams, wherever he is. The Saints look in week one, they had a comeback late or they're 0-4 right now. 
I think that we are rating this team where we thought they were going to be coming in the season and Seattle too. I'm not sure we've really adjusted the line on this one. This is basically right where it was before the season started, but New Orleans looks a lot worse now than they did a month ago. Seattle looks a lot better. And if you get the underdog spot here, which we clearly are, just look at the trends with the underdogs here. Underdogs with a total below 42, 61% cover rate the last five years. Geno Smith and Pete Carroll, great as underdogs. Dennis Allen, Jameis Winston, terrible as favorites. So this is a great spot for Seattle. I'm taking the Seattle team total over. That's that London trend. I'll take the Seattle cover. I'll take Seattle money line. I'm just playing Seattle as many ways as I can in this one. Great chance to fade New Orleans. Yeah, you talk about the chance to fade New Orleans, Brandon. You say there's only kind of a five-game sample size for playing after London, but from a policy standpoint, it makes sense to me because they didn't let teams play the week after. They gave them the <laughs> bye. So obviously there's something to it. Brandon telling you right now to fade the Saints when you can. Thank you as always, Brandon, for coming by Green Dot Daily. We'll talk to you a little bit later on in the week. Sounds good. Well, I bet Arizona State, this team stinks. Arizona State stinks. The state of Arizona Stinks. Just hot for no reason. Bunch of emptiness. It's just New Mexico that sucks. And New Mexico is just Mexico that sucks. Arizona State is the worst. Have a good one. Texas f***ing state again with these assholes. How many years do we need to go through this? Have we ever won a Texas State bet? I've just spent the last three hours watching this bullshit. These guys suck. I will follow you into any war, Stucky, any garbage can, but I will never, ever bet Texas State again. So there you have it. No shortage of shade being thrown to Stucky and the rest of the BBOC guys. But speaking of BBOC, we now bring in our guy, Brett McMurphy. This time to talk a little bit about the Heisman race. We're a month into the college football season, and we've seen some movement in that market. Brett, starting with, you know, Alabama quarterback Bryce Young. I know he won last year. Maybe he's not going to go back to back, but that shoulder injury he sustained really changed the market. What do you think is the impact of the Bryce Young injury on this market. Yeah, Dane. I mean, before the season, I thought he was a long shot to win it. I just think Heisman voters want to look for somebody different unless he just totally exceeds the statistics he had last year. So far, he hasn't done that. Maybe he can do that going forward. But if he misses the Texas A&M game Saturday, history is not on his side. You have to go all the way back to 1993, Florida State's Charlie Ward, the only player to win a Heisman Trophy that did not play in every game that season. And then you have to go all the way back to 2011, the last time a player actually finished in the top three in the Heisman that missed a game during the season. So Bryce Young misses against A&M. I don't think he's eliminated by any means, but I think that hill's a lot steeper for him to have a chance to repeat, which I thought was going to be difficult anyway. All right, there you saw in our graphic, there's been some movement in this market. One guy and team I want to ask you about is Hendon Hooker, the quarterback over in Tennessee. And my question for you, Brett, is how much of the vote is really tied to individual performance and team performance, right? Because Hooker's doing great things by himself, but Tennessee as a team is also ascending and kind of surprising people. How much of Hendon Hooker's kind of prospects are tied to the Vols? Yeah, I mean, you nailed it, Dane. I, I've been saying, mean, I'll die on this, I'll die on this hill. Uh, it, it is about the player, but the team has to be successful. Hendon Hooker can throw up the, the exact numbers 
for the remain remainder of the season. But if Tennessee's 13 and 0 or 12 and 1, he's in New York. If they're 8 and 4, he's not in New York. And that's the reality of it. That's how voters look at it. It's become basically the best player on the best team. So if Tennessee keeps winning, they've got Bama next week, then they've got he's got a legitimate shot. But if suddenly they lose, you know, three of their last six, he's not going to be in New York. And he could have the exact same statistics, but because voters seem to to weigh heavily the success of a team, it really takes just an incredible statistical season for somebody that's not on a top four team to win this thing nowadays. Yeah, that may be the same thing with USC quarterback Caleb Williams, who's obviously performing well, and USC remains undefeated. Last thing I want to ask you about this market, though, Brett. I mean, I see nothing but quarterbacks at the top of the chart here when it comes to the odds, right? Is this pretty much, you talked about the best player on the best team. Is this also pretty much become a quarterback-driven award? Yeah, one correction from me. Uh, Yeah, the, the quarterback on the best team. Uh, 99% of the time. We've obviously seen a, a couple of times where it's gone to a non-quarterback. But yeah, and you meant, real quickly you mentioned Caleb Williams. Look, the high, we're talking about the highs now. The odds are shifting. You can get in on people if you feel very strongly about him. Uh, I don't think the Heisman is, is won or lost until November. And Caleb Williams is a perfect example. He ends a season consecutive games against UCLA and Notre Dame and then possibly the Pac-12 title game. So there's three marquee weekends where he has a chance to show what he can do. No one's going to remember what he did against Fresno State. No one's going to remember um, what he did against Arizona State, but they will remember those marquee games at the end of the season. That's why I think, you know, C.J. Stroud of Ohio State, obviously he's the the favorite right now. Um, That's great. But what will he do against Michigan? What will he do in the Big Ten title game? And my kind of dark horse, Stucky's made fun of me on our podcast every week about it, is I think Stetson Bennett has a shot. Are his stats equal with everybody else? Absolutely not. But you know what? If Georgia goes 13-0 and Bennett puts up decent numbers, you know what Heisman voters like more than a quarterback? They love a great story. Well, there's not a better story out there than Stetson Bennett as far as where he has come from. Will he have the numbers to compare with the C.J. Stroud, Caleb Williams, everybody else? I don't know. But if they're 13-0, and 0, I think he'll be in New York. Does that mean he's going to win it? Not necessarily, but he's worth he's worth a shot because he is obviously his odds are down a lot more than before the season when I think they were infinity to one. Um, but he would be somebody that, that I, again, I don't think is out of this thing. Uh, if Georgia goes 13 and 0, which would have included a SEC title victory against Alabama. Yeah, so like I said, we're a month into the season, and you always talk about these guys having their Heisman moment. And so for a lot of these guys, those opportunities still lie in front of them. But thanks for stopping by, Green Dot Daily, as always, giving us a finger on the pulse of this market one month in. You got it. All right, sticking with college football, it's the middle of the week, and that means the group of five teams are getting going. You see some of the key games here, and when we talk group of five on Green Dot Daily, we bring in our guy, Michael Calabrese, who joins us now. What's going on, Michael? The first game I want to ask you about is that one of the rescheduled games from Hurricane Ian last week, it seems like, you know, Central Florida is now playable, and so SMU makes the trip. What do you see in that game? Well, now that Hurricane Ian has cleared, as you mentioned, light winds, clear skies tonight at the bounce house, and it's really going to be an up-tempo affair. These two teams, in terms of plays per game, both top 10, UCF checking in at eighth, 
and SMU third nationally with 84 and a half plays per game. And honestly, this comes down to two electric offenses. Tanner Mordecai and the Ponies faced a really tough test last week against a TCU defense coached by Joe Gillespie. Still throws for 372 yards, and they score 34 points. And on the other side, the Gus bus is rolling at this point. 298 rushing yards against Georgia Tech. The week before that, 321 against FAU. And here comes an SMU run defense that is powerless to stop them. They're giving up 211 yards per game on the ground. That's 118th nationally and five and a half yards per carry. So I see this being a lot of big plays, body blows back and forth, a game played in the 70s for sure. So it's 62. I love the over. All right, Mike, in another game we have are two teams that help us get green dots last week. UTSA with a victory in Western Kentucky actually falling at home to Troy. Those two teams match up this week. How do you see this one on Saturday? So 72 and a half may scare a lot of people away, but these two teams played in the Conference USA title game last year, a 49-41 shootout taken by the Roadrunners. And the same offensive philosophy applies to both. And let's harken back to the first game we just talked about. It's pace, pace, pace. UTSA yep. living up to their meep, meep name, sixth meep. In, in plays per game. Western Kentucky 27th, but the headliner here is it's a special moment for overbetters when two teams face off that average over 500 yards per game. And this is interesting. UTSA has a chance to become the first team in NCAA history to have three wide receivers average over 100 yards per game. At this point, Clark and Cephas are already there. Their third receiver, Zakari Franklin, averaging 98.2 yards per game in this one. So when you dig into the actual you know metrics for both offenses and defenses, UTSA 10th nationally, Western Kentucky 12th. UTSA's defense, brace yourself, 116th nationally in total D. They're giving up plays of 30 yards or more at the third highest clip in the entire country. Western Kentucky, a bit of a paper tiger on defense. Yes, they're ranked 48th in total D, but they played just an awful schedule. Austin P, Hawaii, Indiana, FIU, right. Troy. These offenses could not move the football against the Hilltoppers. That will not be the case here in the Alamo Dome. All right, fair enough. We like some overs here. It makes me think I may have to look at some of the props in that game as well, because you're talking about 500 yards a game for some of these teams. Thanks for stopping by Green Dot Daily, as always, giving us the insight on these group of five teams. Appreciate it, Dan. Thanks. All right, so let's take a look at what it means to be down with GDD on a Wednesday. Yeah, you know me. Anthony DeBundo came into the show giving you unders on the Champions League matchups tonight, and he gave you plus money when it comes to some of these wild card series. Remember, the wild card in Major League Baseball playoffs get going on Friday. Brandon Anderson joined the show, believing in Teddy Two Gloves and believing in the long trip across the pond as a reason to fade the Saints. He's on Seattle plus six in that one, and we had Mike Calabrese join the show looking at some overs some overs of high totals over 62 in SMU and UCF and over 72 and a half when it comes to Western Kentucky and UTSA well we talked about it with Anthony right it's the last day of the regular season in baseball you know we're talking about playoff matchups already you would think that there is nothing less to play for but not for season win total betters of the Chicago Cubs or the Toronto Blue Blue Jays. The Cubs had a number of 73 and a half, and they stand at 73 wins entering the final game of the season. They've been hot lately, so maybe you got a good chance for them to hop over the number. And then the Blue Jays were at 91 and a half. They got
got rained out, they actually had two chances to go over the number. If you remember the rapper Cool Breeze, he used to say, watch out for the hook. Well, Cubs and Blue Jays win total betters are certainly watching out for the hook today on games 162, or in Toronto's case, 161 and 162. This has been a great show here for Green Dot Daily. Remember, go to BetMGM, use the promo code ACTION, and you can get a $1,000 free bet upon sign-up. And we gave you plenty of options to use them and hopefully get those green dots. On tomorrow's show, we're going to get you ready for Thursday Night Football. Broncos, Colts, we'll have all the usual suspects here breaking down everything for that to try to get you more green dots. So for all the production staff in the back making us look and sound good and everybody who came on the show giving us their insights, I am merely the spitting statistician, Dane Martinez, wishing you a great day. Hopefully you get those green dots and we can come back and celebrate your balance tomorrow. We'll see you then. Peace.